0: What's up everyone? Welcome to the Keep It Posse podcast. My name is Jasmine and this is episode 5. Before I get into talking about my guest for this week, I wanted to thank Nick from Wicked Bears again for chatting with me for last week's episode. I hope you gave his band a listen. Again, if you're a fan of pop punk, you'll like Wicked Bears. Honestly, after what he said last week about new music on the way, I can't wait. My guest this week is a former classmate of mine who is now a college professor. I met Callie back in the fall of 2011 during our first year of grad school at Cal State LA. Before grad school, Callie spent some time working in the music industry. She spent time in radio, at record labels, and also did tour management. We talked about her experience in the industry, why it is she decided to go back to school, plus other things. I'm glad we were able to talk, and with everything happening right now around the world and in the music scene, the timing of this conversation was everything for me. Here's my conversation with Kelly on the Keep It Posy podcast. Can you hear me?
1: Yeah, I can hear
0: you. Okay, cool. How are you? Hey, how are you? I'm good. It's been, uh, a lot has happened since we last talked. I know. Crazy, right? Yeah. Yeah, Um, yeah, dude. So I launched this podcast, as you may have seen, maybe like three weeks ago or so. Mm -hmm. And yeah, dude, so I'm just reaching out to um, everybody that I've met, you know, mostly through music. I think with you, it was a little bit, more of a unique way because we both met while we were in grad school. Mm -hmm. But then, as you mentioned, the last time we talked, it was, um, I do do remember you bringing up how you were in in the music industry for a while. Mm
1: -hmm. Um,
0: And that's something that I feel like we never actually got to talk about. Yeah. So um, how did you get into the music industry
1: yeah. Um, so I got into the industry because I, um, oh, it's kind of, the, the backstory is I started college at Ball State University, and I didn't have anything to do, so I eventually uh, became the music director at the college there. And I don't know if this is still the case, but at that time, the music director built Built relationships with promoters of different music um, and a lot of the relationships I built were uh, with people in New York and people in Los Angeles but mostly in New York and like the East Coast and so um, I was required to take a, an internship and so what I decided to do was use the um, networks that I made by going to South by Southwest and CMJ and and just by like talking on the phone with them uh, to get a couple of internships for the summer. Mm-hmm. And then eventually, so I ha- I had internships for, for two different places um, in New York. Uh, I took out a bunch of student loans to live in student, uh, like NYU student housing. Um, and then one of my internships ended up offering me uh, paid positions. So instead of finishing college, I stayed in New York and then just stayed there for for a bit and um so what were you what was it that you ended up uh working your paid position uh so my paid position was at deaf Jux records um the i mean now that they they no longer exist but um what's the i can't believe the name of it uh the the rapper lp he's in um a group with Killer Mike that I... Oh, Run the Jewels, right? Run the Jewels, yeah. yeah. I I, sorry. Why is that? So anyways, I was at Definitive Jux. Uh, and then I was also at Mute Records for, like, the summer. Um, but that was... Actually, both of them offered me a job, but I just decided to stay at Def Jux instead. Yeah, so one of the guys in Run the Jewels ran the record label that I worked at. And... Um, he had been around in, in the hip-hop scene for a long time, so,
0: yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. You learn something new every day. I didn't know that he ran a label. That was in New York?
1: Yeah, yeah, so, um, and I don't know, that was, like, 2004, 2005.
0: Oh, okay, so you were there, and then where did you go off to? Um,
1: so, that, I, was, I worked there for, like, two years. Okay. Um, so what I was doing there was I, um, I I, was like really young. So I was like 20, 21 years old doing their like promotions, their sales. I set up events for them. Like that's, that's the stuff I was getting uh, very underpaid for what I was doing. Um, in fact, I was promised a paycheck and for a good like two or three extra months, I wasn't given one. Oh, no. Uh, yeah. So it was, uh, I was working full time, but wasn't getting paid. And then, so I had to work another job while I was doing that. And I was living with like 12 people because I wasn't making any money. So um, I stayed there for like two years and it just wasn't a super healthy environment. Um, and then I ended up doing a little bit of like tour managing. Um, uh and, yeah, then after that, I, I sort of just was, like, DJing and stuff. I moved to Los Angeles and did that for a while.
0: Oh, wow. Any, yeah. uh, anyone we would know, the public would know that you did tour management for? <laughs> um,
1: yes. <I> actually, <laughs> I'm laughing because it's my partner's band. Oh, okay. <laughs> and he's, like, standing right next to me, and he's, like, embarrassed. <laughs> um so yeah the band at the time was dios Malos. Mm-hmm. um and I did a couple so I did a, like a five week tour with them and I didn't know them at the time I knew their manager um and I'd like quit the job at Death jux because it was just like a toxic place for me yeah um and just sent out a couple of emails and one of the emails was to their manager and I was like I have no idea what I'm going to do I just quit my job like it was like one of those quits where, like, I was in tears and just like quit in a meeting. So,
0: <laughs> oh, dude, it's all good. I've been there.
1: <laughs> so it wasn't. It was. It was very intense. I mean, I was twenty one, twenty two, working, and yeah. like this. This very overwhelming. Um, and so we did a five week tour. Uh, and then we did another tour a couple week a couple of months later. That was like three or four weeks um, all over the United States. And, yeah, the bands that we toured with are not really, I, I guess Matt Pompier was sort of famous. Um, oh,
0: yeah, I know them. Like, I, yeah, I listen to them.
1: Yeah, so, so we toured with them uh, in one of the, for one of the tours. Um, they played with bands like the Decemberists, but they never really toured with them. They just, like, had a couple shows and stuff.
0: Oh, wow, that's cool. Yeah, And then you moved to LA, DJed, mm-hmm. and then what was your next move?
1: Um, so I DJed for quite some time. I mean, I was also working other jobs, but I went, that's when I went back to college and then I graduated and then I sort of shifted gears and started to realize I didn't want to be in the music industry any longer. So I was probably in, in the industry for, uh, if you count like the music director stuff, um, six years, maybe.
0: Oh, okay. now that's, um, that's a long time.
1: <laughs> yeah. Now it doesn't seem like a long time, but like, yeah. Looking back. Yeah. Yeah. That career. <laughs> and
0: then, so you went back to school, you graduated, mm-hmm. and we're doing other
1: jobs. Yeah, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I didn't know if I wanted to be in the music industry. I didn't know where I was. I I was pretty lost. Um, I did some stuff. Like, I worked at Suicide Girls for a second, um, not modeling. <laughs> I wasn't a model. Um, I did, like, the coordinating for them. And I, I sort of worked on, like, the music int- for them. Like, I, I helped them with a, a podcast that they did for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um and then after that I went back to get my masters.
0: Oh okay. Yeah, oh, that wasn't that doesn't seem like it was too far after if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean I guess
1: it wasn't too far after. Yeah, it all it all started to become a blur, but yeah. Yeah. I, I think I, I was doing the Suicide Girl stuff while I was DJing. Yeah, I was. Okay, so then you decide
0: I'm gonna go to grad school.
1: Yeah, because I, I just didn't feel like it was um, the music scene was giving me what I I needed. Like I wanted more, mm-hmm. and at this point, like now I realize it was like I wanted it. I wanted it to be more political. I wanted to be able to like make a difference outside of the music scene. And I just um, I didn't feel like I could make a difference inside the scene because I wasn't a musician. Yeah. I wasn't like a great DJ. I DJed vinyl, and so as as like things started to change, it became like more of a hassle. Like I liked to DJ vinyl, but I also was like, man, it's so much easier for people who have like their iPods or like all this stuff on their computers. They don't have to lug around records, and they don't have to look for the records that they that they want. Like, so I sort of that. I just I didn't want to transition into like something else. I I really liked the hardcore record or the vinyl stuff and
0: yeah. yeah. So then that was just like I think I'm going to stop this or stop doing this. And and then you decide I'm going to go back to school and get my masters.
1: Yeah. And I mean I think that the thing that like I can identify that connects with what I was doing in the music industry with what I did in my master's program and what I'm doing now is it's always been about like relationships and trying to understand people, trying to bring people together, Um, especially with DJing. Mm -hmm. I'm not really like a social person. And so I really liked to DJ because I would still be going out, but I didn't have to go talk to people. Um, So I was always, you know, now that I teach, I'm the facilitator. When I DJ'd I was a facilitator. I got people doing things, but I didn't necessarily have to do the things with them. Got it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like elite singer in a band. Yeah. Just depending on the genre, you know, if it's like a punk rock band, they're more like, yeah, you know, I want to see a big circle pit going, but if it's more like mellow, like jazz musician stuff, you know, it'll be like, hey, how's it going, guys? You know, that type of thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, but you're still, like, bringing people together. Yeah. In one way or another.
0: For sure. So then I met you in our first year, but I don't remember if we met first
1: quarter. Um, I think we did because you were in Bellman's class with me. So I remember, the, um, were you in organizational communication with Bellman?
0: I probably was. <laughs> Um, I think, I, I probably say, did, but I don't remember if I took that, if, I feel like if I was, it's probably where a bunch of the first year grad students were in, so mm-hmm. I want
1: to say yes. You might have been in Bai's class with me too, so oh, Bi yeah. was like the first year everyone was in it, and then that first semester I took that class, I took um, the teaching class that I don't think you were in, right?
0: Well, I was, I was in it. You think, were, yeah. I think, um, I don't know. I think it was one of those things where they wanted everyone to take it.
1: Oh yeah.
0: Um, but I wasn't. I wasn't teaching. I was just like, yeah, I'll do
1: it. Yeah. I mean, it was a good class, even if yeah. you weren't going to teach. It was like because VP uh, is such a good instructor. I feel like she made the class fun, as fun as a class can be. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that was actually a pretty good class, even though I didn't plan on going to teaching. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I was one of the very few ones that didn't plan on it. Um, but I feel that everybody was doing um, good stuff outside of the classroom, too, because I feel like a handful of the people teaching also had, like, another
1: job. Yeah. Yeah, that I mean at that time I wasn't teaching either and I didn't know if I wanted to, so I was I was just serving, so I wasn't doing anything great.
0: <laughs> yeah. I
1: was just working in a restaurant, but a lot of people were like Eric. I remember Eric was like doing a million things at once.
0: <sighs> he probably still is.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's true.
0: <laughs> um, yeah though, no, but everyone worked really hard, I feel like there wasn't anybody who wasn't who was slacking off. Yeah. I feel like, in a way, we all kept each other on our toes and motivated each other. Yeah, yeah. Um, And that's what I liked about our group. Um, And then, I don't know about you, but I really didn't step foot on campus the second year because I only had one class to take. The only reason I was stepping foot on campus was to go um, talk to Dr. Lena for my thesis, and that was it.
1: Yeah, see, I think I took, I think after the first semester, I only took two classes a semester. Like, the first semester, I took three, and that was, like, too much for me, but when I started teaching, I took it down to two, and so you probably had three at a time, is that right?
0: Yeah, except the spring, I was like, after I took three classes, I'm like, yeah, this is getting out of hand. I was working at interning, too, so I'm like, no, I, I can't keep up with three anymore. It's, it's, it's getting really stressful.
1: Yeah, yeah, so that's probably why you only had one in the fall. I, I still had classes to, t- to take, so, and I took an extra class or two because I was just trying to, I was bored, no, I'm t- <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I think because I needed to take a certain amount of classes to get um, financial aid. Oh, yeah. So at a certain point, like after that fall semester, I think in the spring I only needed one class. But if I only took one class, I wasn't going to get financial aid. Mm-hmm. So I took like a a class. It was an undergrad class. It was just like a critical pedagogy class. And then in the, in the spring, Dr. Olson convinced me to take a class that I didn't need at all. Um, just so that way the <laughs> class could get... Build. It It turned out well because the guy who taught the class is from Northridge and he helped me get the job that I have now. So I'm glad I took the class or I probably wouldn't be at Northridge. Yay.
0: Yeah. Um, so you now teach at Northridge. Mm-hmm. Do you teach at other campuses or is it just Northridge?
1: Nope, just Northridge. Um, I know a lot of the other part-timers teach all over the place, but because I'm still working on my dissertation... I don't want to teach more. And Mm -hmm. I also, like, I don't need the money. I mean, I have a pretty easy lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that, like, I learned from all the musician friends I have. And, like, just being in that industry is, like, the lifestyle of, like, having a bunch of money or even wanting a bunch of money isn't necessarily something that me and a lot of my friends are interested in. We're more Mm -hmm. interested in, like, doing stuff that, like, we're passionate, passionate about, and like I said, that brings people together, that allows for us to be who we are, and so I see that a lot with, like, all of my musician friends looking at me and, like, you are such an alien, you're doing something so weird, <laughs> but I see so much in common with what I do and what they do.
0: Yeah. How many classes do you teach at Northridge? I teach four. What what year do you teach?
1: Oh, I teach... so. Mostly I teach juniors and seniors. Okay. Like, I teach courses like um, intercultural communication, the gender studies course, the political rhetoric course. So I teach courses that talk about all the stuff that's going on right now, like really intense courses.
0: Oh, man. Yeah. Like just- as my, as my, I think it's awesome, though, because you get to hear their views. You get to hear views from a younger audience. Yeah. Um. And yeah, um, I mean, I'm sure it gets intense at times.
1: It does. It's really it's hard sometimes, but like, yeah, yeah I, I like teaching the ones where like I can help students feel more comfortable talking about difficult things.
0: Um, and then where are you? Where are you getting your PhD?
1: From Claremont Graduate University.
0: Okay, and how much time do you have left?
1: Uh, hopefully, I'll be done in at at the end
0: of uh, fall. Oh, wow. Well, congratulations yeah. ahead of time. That's a good yeah. thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm hoping. Uh, you know, I go to the same school that DeShane went to.
0: Oh, DeShane. Yeah. For anybody um, listening, Dr. DeShane was a professor of ours that unfortunately passed away from cancer, I believe, last year.
1: Uh, Yeah, it's been... Yeah,
0: so it hurts... And by the way, like, kind of how am I going to say this? He kind of surprised me one time. <laughs> if you remember, like when I would like a lot of my papers were always having to do like a band or an album or whatever. So I'm writing a paper about perseverance, and I'm using one of Aristotle's theories. And I'm talking about Thrice, and he, like, shocks me when he tells me he knows who they are. And I'm like, dude, you're, like, in your 50s. That's awesome. But, yeah, I kind of flipped that a little bit, but it was cool.
1: Well, that's – so one of the reasons why I had to give him a shout-out here was, um, you know, he wrote his master's thesis on, um, what is it, Riot Girls? Or, like, queer, queer spaces in, like, punk rock communities or something like that? That I did not know. Yeah, so so he's, like, done a lot of, like, stuff looking at music. Like, he used to work at a record store in Claremont um, before he uh, went, I, I don't know, if before he went to, like, his master's program or what. But, yeah, he's, like, super, or, well, he was super into music and, like, really passionate about music. It's, it's funny because if you look at him, you don't think that, but.
0: Yeah, no, he was such a great professor. Yeah. Um, I I wish I could have had him during undergrad, but I I didn't. Um, But I'm glad I did have him, at least for one class, because that, he was, I feel, like, everybody I had was awesome, but I feel like he's one of those instructors where you hope everybody gets to have someone like him at some point. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, true. I I, I wish you guys could have connected more because he was super into music. I remember one time I went to a conference in Atlanta. Uh Uh-huh. And then his wife took a road trip to Athens so they could go, like, see the music scene in Athens and just sort of visit. It was really precious. Yeah.
0: Oh, Dr. DeShane. For anybody who is curious now, you can look him up. DeShane. I think it's Mm D-E-C-H-A-I-N-E. Yeah, um, Dr. Deshane, yeah, he's he was such a good dude. Um, so sorry.
1: That's okay. I'm sorry I brought him up, but I just. Oh no,
0: it's all good. I was just trying to figure out where where. Oh, Claremont. Yeah. So you go there, and that's where he went. Um, and then did you start teaching at Northridge right away once you started your PhD program?
1: Um, I started before my PhD program, so right after we graduated, I um, that fall I only taught at Cal State LA, but then um, in the spring I started teaching at Northridge because they needed someone to teach the political rhetoric course. Oh! I, I had that connection that I told you about, um, and so I was able to sort of get on board there, and then. The following year, they gave me more courses, and at that point, they were giving health insurance, and Cal State LA wasn't, so um, oh. so I just chose to stay at, at Northridge. It was also a good change of pace. It allowed for me to like be who I was a little bit more, because at Cal State LA, I still sort of felt like a student.
0: Yeah, I guess if because you went there? Yeah. Yeah. No, that I, makes
1: sense. I liked I liked the community and stuff. It wasn't that. It was just like I needed space to grow in a different way.
0: Yeah, no, I get that for sure. Um, and so now you're teaching at Northridge. You're almost done with your PhD program.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so what's next? Do you feel that you'll be teaching still and maybe writing?
1: Um. You know, I... Feel like if there's spots open I will probably still be teaching but um, I think at the same time I'd like to perform like some sort of community nonprofit or something that allows for me to share my knowledge with people who don't necessarily want to go to college Um, a lot of the stuff that I look at educates people on like the way that they might be mistreated Um, for example I mean to bring it full circle when I was twenty twenty one, and I was working in the music industry and I was being mistreated both like through harassment but also through just the way that I was being paid and like not speaking up for myself. Um, those types of things I think more people need to be aware of. Not only that like they're happening but that you can do something about them. Yeah. You shouldn't be treated like that. Um, I think it's especially the case for women – um they maybe don't feel like they can speak up as much uh and so I want to like help people feel more comfortable in themselves to do stuff like that
0: oh yeah for sure I um I feel like now it's becoming um I don't think I don't know that easier is the word but people are being more vocal Mm -hmm. about what they're going through um, and they're like, okay, I'm going through this and I don't know how I can do something about it so it doesn't continue to happen.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah. And sometimes you just need a community. Like you don't even need someone to tell you what to do. You just need someone to listen Yeah. and you sort of know what to do. But if you don't have the support, then you maybe can't do it.
0: Yeah. No. Well, that's awesome, dude. I mean, whatever you decide to do, that's really cool. Um. You know, people should know that there's resources out there for whatever it is that they're dealing with.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Especially, yeah, like homeless, the homeless crisis is so bad. Like, those types of things, we need to, we as a community need to start figuring this stuff out.
0: Yeah, for sure, man. I get it. That's pretty posy, for sure. That,
1: you gotta keep it posy. <laughs>
0: you gotta keep it posy. Like, honestly, it, it, you know, I say all the time, you know, <laughs> You know, life is like a mosh pit. If you see someone fall, you got to help them get back up, you know? And yeah, that's really what it is. You you got to help each other out. And just because I'm not being affected by it doesn't mean I can't do something to help that person out.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I hope more people start thinking that way because that's really important, especially during the COVID stuff.
0: Yeah, no, dude, I get it. Um, is there anything else, is there anything you would like to plug in, talk
1: about, you know? Um, no, I I don't think so. I don't have any, I don't have any like personal things that I'm like, you know, just, just, uh, waiting to celebrate that dissertation. Yay. Yeah. And maybe, maybe I'll say support our kids in, uh, in public schools, uh, in any way you can, especially, by looking at how we can get the police out of schools.
0: <laughs> yes. Um, do your reading, do your research. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one day we'll all hopefully be on the same page.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: So that was my conversation with Kelly. And I'm really glad we were able to talk about Dr. Deshane and I actually have to clear something up. I took a look at the messages that I received from former classmates of mine the day that he had passed away. And he actually passed away in August of 2018. So next month, it'll be two years since he passed away. He was battling cancer and it was really shocking for a lot of us because at least up to my knowledge, I didn't know that he was battling cancer. And I really did mean every word that I said about him during my conversation with Kelly. He was just one of those people that encouraged me, you know, he encouraged my classmates, he encouraged all of us to just go after what it is that we wanted, no matter what it was. Whether it was something personal or if we just wanted to write about our favorite things for class assignments. I mean... If you know me personally, you know that I'm a really big fan of Thrice and, you know, to find out that a professor likes one of your favorite bands, like, that's really cool. He was really the epitome of posy. I think at one point in our life, we either have a teacher or professor that you always look forward. To going to class because of their teaching style and because of the way that they are he was definitely one of those professors for me and if you're interested in reading his stuff uh, I really urge you to do so please look him up dr. Robert Deshane d-e-c-h-a-i-n-e I want to thank Kelly again for taking time out of her busy schedule to talk with me She's doing a lot of cool things and I really look forward to seeing what she has in store for our communities in the future. I know that she still isn't done with her dissertation, but I can't wait to read it. I can't wait to hear about her work and what she's doing down the line in the future. Um, guys, again, I want to thank you guys again so much for listening and, and just, you know, sharing Posse vibes. I know that it's not easy. You know, you have your days where it can be really hard and you have your days where it it gets better. And that's totally okay to have the feelings, whatever it is you're feeling. Again, that's what this podcast is about. You know, just finding a way to stay positive. You know, not forcing it and just finding it along the way. If you want to follow along on social media, it's Keep It Pawsy on Facebook. The Twitter handle is at Keep It Photo, and the Instagram handle is at Keep it You can also shoot me an email to keepitpawsy at or you can always go to keepitpawsy.com where all the contact info is listed. Thank you all for tuning into this podcast. Please take care of yourselves and each other. Stay pausey always. And remember, life is like a mosh pit. If you see someone fall, you gotta help that person get back up.